0: Hello, fellow philosophers. Welcome to the podcast. I'm going to be your host today, Liam, alongside my co-host.
1: I'm his co-host, Kong.
0: Uh, we're going to talk today about Lucretius' The Nature of Things. Uh, this, it was a first century B.C. book, his, his only known work, in which it's a six-book didactic poem that describes the material makeup of the world. Uh, interestingly, he was the first one to come up with the idea of the atom, that the world was made of these tiny little bodies, that are never created or destroyed, that make up literally everything, and he rejects the idea of divinity through doing so, which is very radical for the time, wouldn't you say? Yes, very radical. And so what I want to do is I want to take our STEM background. We're two STEM majors at Holy Cross. I want to take our STEM background and look at the essence of his book, the fact that everything is made up of atoms. And then I want to have a discussion about the soul and what the soul really is. And to do so, we have to tie together Lucretius' ideas with that of the pre-Socratics, uh, the pre-Socratics were 5th and 6th century B.C. Greek philosophers that were the first to use this kind of rational inference to describe natural phenomena, just like Lucretius is doing. Lucretius is able to make an observation and say, this is how the world works. So let's just first take our, our STEM knowledge to show how amazing Lucretius is as a person. Uh, so you and I both know that the world is made up of atoms, right? Yep. And through, like, the first thing, if I was to go back to any science class, the first thing I would remember is, one, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the self. And two, <laughs> the law of conservation, of mass, that matter is neither created nor destroyed. And here Lucretius is saying at the very beginning of his book that, quote, nature does not render anything to naught. And two, all things decompose back to the elemental particles from which they rose. This is the first century, and Lucretius is saying, matter is neither created nor destroyed. Nature doesn't bring anything to nothing. And that all things decompose back to what they came from, so that there's this like single origin point, that everything's made up of, these, of something, of this little thing that can't go away. It can't be created or destroyed. Now, keep in mind, the law of conservation of mass wasn't a scientific postulate until 1789, which it formally was introduced into the scientific community, stating that despite chemical reactions and physical transformations, uh, Mass is conserved that can't be created or destroyed. And so Lucretius here is making an observation about the world. And he's saying, well, look, everything's made up of these little atoms, these little things. So now he's saying that nature consists of two different things matter and void. And so I want to take you to a passage here, Kong, in which Lucretius, way before the 18th, 19th century, proves the existence of atoms through his physical observations. So let me, let me take, give you a reading from book two, The Dance of Atoms. Pouring forth the brilliance of its beams into the gloom, and you'll see myriads of motes all moving many ways throughout the void and intermingling in the golden rays as if an everlasting struggle, battling in troops, ceaselessly separating and regathering in groups. From this you can imagine all the motions that take place among the atoms that are tossed about in empty space. What's amazing about this, so, imagine Lucretius looking through a window pane. And what do you usually see when you're looking through a window and light's coming through? You see these little You usually
1: see dust particles in the in the rays of the sunlight.
0: Yeah, so he says, "Look, there's, there's a bunch of myriads of motes all moving many different ways." And he uses this to say, "Well, this has to be what atoms are like in this empty space." And amazingly enough, a, a botanist named Robert Brown in 1827 discovered this <coughs> phenomenon by looking through a microscope at pollen. And Albert Einstein actually used this postulate in order to prove the existence of atoms. And here, Lucretius, in the first century BC, is saying, well, look at this. This is why atoms exist. And he was able to decipher that there are matter and void, and that that makes up everything. So now that we've established this credibility, right, what were a lot of pre-Socratic thinkers thinking in the day? What, what was the world really made up of? What do they think it was made up of?
1: So the the pre-Socratic thinkers thought that the world was made up of four different elements. The the four different elements were comprised of the earth, fire, wind, and water, right? Um, and so they they thought that these four different elements made up everything else, literally everything. And there's this one quote in which Lucretius uh, basically refutes what what they they think because um, the quote kind of questions into the the reality of what the pre-Socratics know. Um, The quote says, And everything dissolved back to these elements once more. Why are they called the elements of things? Why not consider things their elements? And so basically what this quote is trying to say is that what makes up all the different elements? And why are these elements... Why do we consider these elements to be the elements? Um, And why don't we consider... The, the tiny little things that make up these elements, the elements.
0: Yeah, so it's like a, let's imagine a rock, for example. Like you take a rock, and you say, a thinker at the time would say, oh, it's made of earth and fire. They came together to make it up. But what made up the fire in the first place, right? And so, what I want to do, Kong, I want to take these four elements and how he refutes it, and say, what is the soul exactly? Because the soul has to be made up of something, right? The soul has to, it has to be made up of something, and so. Let's look at some what the pre-Socratics were saying before we look at what Lucretius says. And so, in order, the pre-Socratics also thought that n- not, nothing's created nor destroyed, right? Heraclitus, uh, one of the more well-known, more renowned pre-Socratic thinkers, said, the same thing is both living and dead, and the waking and the sleeping, and the young and the old. For these things transform are those, and those transformed back again are these. And this kind of reiterates what Lucretius says in his book about how matter is neither created nor destroyed. And it it takes on this idea that there's this transmutation of souls and that we all move from one thing to another and we're all this one fluid essence, this one being. And so why why don't you take a look into what Pythagoras is saying about the dog? So Pythagoras uh, says that once he passed by
1: as a puppy was being beaten, the story goes and in pity said these words stop do not beat him since it is the soul of a man a friend of mine which i recognized when i heard it crying so what he's basically saying is that his friend um who has basically maybe have passed he's he's transformed into this puppy and he can he can know that it's his friend because of the voice um what this means is that he thinks that the soul can basically be transformed into another Mortal being,
0: yes, and the soul is this fluid essence that goes from one body to another, and in a way, it's neither created nor destroyed, right? But what Lucretius says in one of his books is that the soul is actually this very mortal essence, and that when we die, the soul dies with us, which completely refutes what the pre-Socratics are saying. I mean, if we were if we were to die, we wouldn't be able to go into the body of dog for example we wouldn't be able to hear that that cry and so what lucretius says is whatever thing it might have been before is dead and gone therefore if the mind can sicken and if it can be affected by a drug that's proof of its mortality and so what lucretius is saying here is that whatever thing it might have been by that he refers to the soul he says it's dead and gone so uh, can you remember any of your past lives uh, i can't
1: no, you're right. I can't. I can't remember any of my past lives. But you know, there are psychological disorders where people think that they have different personalities. So, what do you think? What do you think Lucretius would say about those um, those people who exhibit like multiple different personalities?
0: Well, here he says, like, if the mind can sicken or it can be affected by a drug, then that's proof that it's a mortal thing. That the brain just uses the soul as a me- like the soul uses the brain as a medium in order to interact with the world. And so, if the soul's really immortal, right, it would be in this constant state where nothing can affect it. So, you take a drug, like alcohol, the mind shouldn't change at all. Your, your soul should be able to stay in this constant state where its inhibitions aren't affected. But instead, you see people stumbling around all the time. So, that's one way that Lucretius says the soul is mortal. Another, if it can sicken, so say someone is sick, a mental illness, or... Someone gets hit in the head too hard and they can no longer remember anything. Well, if the soul was really immortal, it wouldn't allow the brain to affect it in that way. Like you would still be able to remember things the way you should. And so, what Lucretia is saying is that because, like, the mind can be so affected, that means that the soul is also mortal too, that it, it became hurt because who you are as a person, Kong and everyone else, is, is our soul. And the fact that we can change through an injury to our mind, through a drug, through anything that affects it, proves that our soul is very immortal and that it's tied to us and us alone. Where Lucretius is saying, well, I can't remember who I was in the past life. Therefore, the soul can't be immortal. And all these things can happen to me that can affect who I am as a person. Therefore, the soul is very mortal and is tied to me as a
1: person. Yeah, I think you're very correct. As a biology major, you know, I, I do subscribe to the thinking that the The soul rem- resides in the mind, and that both of them work together to 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 create this personality and this this person that you are right mm-hmm. um I think that you know Lucretius has the right idea uh so how do you think that his theories on atoms would would tie into all would this? tie into all
0: this well obviously, if everything's made up of atoms, then our very soul would have to be made up of atoms right but What's not to say, even though he rejects the fact that there are four elements, what's not to say that the soul has its own essence to it as well? You know, we see a lot of thinkers in the past thought that souls would transmute, the pre-Socratics especially. We read in a lot of our ancient Greek mythology, like Homer's the Iliad, written way before this, that heroes thought that they had their ancestors inside of them, that they were very much their ancestors, that the soul was passed down. What's not to say that the soul has its own own special essence to it as well and uh, it might be this this element so we have atoms and then like what makes up the soul because we can't see we can't see the air we can't we can't we can't see the smells and sure they're all made up of atoms it's not to say that the soul might not have something too that's a very very interesting argument as someone who studies science and you begin to understand the world more and more you realize how much you actually don't know and so the more I study it, the more I'm starting to think that maybe something else does exist, that something is there, and that there could be this soul essence that exists, and that it's just shutting off when it enters our body, and that we are transmuted. The soul is transmuted from body to body. But we can never know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't
1: think we can never know. And even being science majors, right, we, we, we still have a lot to figure out. Oh, so, so much. I I think, it it would be absolutely wonderful if we could bring back Lucretius and and just you know interview him on what he would think of yeah, everything with, that we know today. In right? science.
0: I think he'd be pretty egotistical because he found a lot of stuff that came actually turned out <laughs> to be true. Well, we we just through our talk, we went through the fact that Lucretius was very credible. You know, he discovered a lot about science way before his time. Yeah, he, he's, he 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 came up with some brilliant ideas. You know, he deduced that, <laughs> that nature consists of two things, matter and the void. The universe is infinite, He, he rejects divinity, and we're able to take what the pre socratic said about the soul and what Lucretius is saying about the soul and have a dialogue about what the soul really is. And so we want to thank you for your time and listening to our podcast. My name is Liam and my name is Khan, and we will be back again with other philosophy topics in the future. Thank you.